Hello and welcome to the next episode of Next Gen. It's so great to be back again. Uh, I've been missing for a little while, actually. Uh, had lots of meetings. I've been exhausted, um, and I just got back from a intensive week up in Brisbane, where I learnt honestly. I learnt so 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 much about um, youth ministry, about our church, about where we're going about different initiatives that we're doing and here in Australia we're doing Growing Together, which is Growing Young. I learned about that, getting my church involved in that. So I've been really seriously busy. Uh, That's not an excuse. This is something that's important. And I haven't been making this a priority as as a creative outlet. So I'm going to try and get back into that and try and get back into more regular posting because I find when I do this, I am feeding myself as well, as well as you guys out there. So... Today, I want to talk about a couple of things, Uh, but the main thing I want to talk about is the idea of living for God. Uh, God calls us to be a living salvation, and it's one, not living salvation, a living sacrifice, and it's one thing that is actually quite difficult to to think about, to do in in actuality in life, and when I think through my life, I'm thinking about different situations where I haven't actually followed through on this. And in the book of Romans, uh, it's Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9, Paul talks about something about this. So if I go to Romans chapter 9, almost there. If you have a Bible there, you might want to turn to it. Well, or you can just listen to this. Romans chapter 9 and verse 20. Romans chapter 9 and verse 20. It talks about... God molding us. And so it says, But who indeed are you, a human, being to argue with God? Will what is molded say one to say to the one who molds it, Why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one object for special use and another for ordinary use? What if God, desiring to show his wrath, to make known his power, has endured much patience with the objects of wrath that are made for destruction. What if he has done so in order to make known the riches for his glory for the objects of mercy which he has prepared beforehand for glory, including us who he has called, not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles? As indeed he says in Hosea, Those who were not my people I will call my people, and her who was not beloved I will call beloved. And in the very place where it was said to them, You are not my people, there they shall be called the children of the living God. And Isaiah cries out concerning Israel, Though the number of the children of Israel were like the sand of the sea, only a remnant of them will be saved. And for the Lord will execute his sentence on the earth quickly, and decisively. And as Isaiah predicted, if the Lord of hosts had not left survivors to us, we would have fared like Sodom and been made like Gomorrah. That's a bit of a challenging kind of passage. God has opened his salvation to all, yet there will be only a remnant who will take this message seriously. And I hope that there is far more that takes this message seriously, but according to this, there's only going to be a remnant that will take this message seriously. So what do we do with this? What what do we make of this passage? Um, and Paul said that God is a potter and we're the clay. So what part do I play in living for God? So perhaps, 
perhaps I need to be willing to submit myself to God and allow myself to be molded, to be changed, to be renewed, to be restored, and to be a whole heap of different things for God. Um, often I personally, if I'm just speaking for myself, I try to control things. I, I don't want to let God look after everything around me. I, I, I want to be the one that's in control. I, I have to be just about for myself. Um, I'm the sort of person that needs to fix it, man. And one of my struggles lately has been to let go and not control things and just let God work through that. And when it comes to my salvation as well, just to allow God to do a work within me. In um, Philippians 2 verse 12, it says, Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. I... Yeah, I, I don't, I'm not the sort of person that wants to submit and allow God just to have control over that situation. I'm the sort of person that needs to be able to control things. Uh, when I look at um, what I do in churches, in churches, more often than not, it isn't about how persistent I am with telling people what's going to happen. It's more about me allowing God to take control of a situation and to work it out for, for his benefit and to convict people and to allow people to and to allow people to express themselves and to experience what it's like to do ministry and what it's like to be a pastor and what it's like to have an area of passion that you are able to express yourself in and do wonderful uh, wonderful things in and I guess I've just got to get better at allowing people to express themselves and to grow and to and to be a living sacrifice and to live for God. For me, um, when we live for God, our rest the rest of our lives takes care of itself. And no, I'm not saying that God's a Santa Claus. There's still lots of things that go wrong, and that's just a fact of life. Um, but I've found that in the past. Um, what, let me say, 10 months instead of trying to control things myself and I've just let God control things. Uh, my financial health is much improved. My spiritual health is improved. My emotional health is improved. And even my physical health is improved. Um, when we do ministry and we live for God, our holistic health is something that happens. We want to do things to be the best living sacrifice, the most, the best clay, I guess would be the word, for God. And learning how to let God have control and let God look after me in that situation is really difficult. I've just finished reading um, a book that's all about preaching called Choosing to Preach by Kenton Anderson. It's a bit of an older sort of book. Uh, well, not that old, but it isn't the most modern and up-to-date book. But in reading that book, I had to learn and remember that when I'm preparing for preaching, I will prepare very intentionally, but I'm allowing God to use what I say to communicate with someone. Everyone in my church is going to take a different thing away from my sermon. Some are going to take things away that I didn't even say, and they're going to place their own interpretation on that. But when I preach intentionally and from the Bible, um, and I become the clay in that situation, God uses me, the Holy Spirit uses me to translate what every single person needs in their life at that time. 
uh, onto their hearts and it's what they take away from it. And I think that is a wonderful, wonderful thing and it's part of the gift of preaching, but it goes much further than that. It is a... It's a a basic fundamental of humanity in that we like to control things. I found, and I'm repeating myself here, when we let go and we let God, things take care of themselves. And there's lots of situations in in the world where we aren't letting go currently as a church. You know, we're trying to control issues and we're trying to control things, whether whether it be the women's ordination debate or whether it be marriage equality. We we as a church want to get into the social conversation and we want to control the narrative. But I think if we allowed God to be in that space and we treat people just as Jesus would have treated people, everything else will take care of itself because when we're a part of the social conversation, we are allowing God to use us as a church and as individuals as clay for his work. And maybe a radical idea is that maybe even God's work per se and what Jesus wants us to do might not be what we want to do. Isn't that a conflated thought? But it's not. When you stop and you think about it, God can do things that I might disagree with, but if it's for his benefit and it's for his will, I should be the clay and live for God even in that space. And I guess God wants to translate that then to the next generation. So how might we translate this idea of living for God and clay to our next generation? Generation Z is coming up. Generation Z is, if you read um, the book by James Emery White, um, in America, they're going to be 92 million of them. It's going to be the majority of the population. There's already 92 million um, at this point in time. And they're kind of going to take over. They're going to take over. And they're what we are now starting to call post-Christian. They don't need the Christian church, and many of them don't even know someone who is Christian. And so how do we as Christians, be a part of the social conversation when they are the sort of individuals who live in a way that might be at odds with what um, those from the silent generation or from the baby boomers or even some Gen Xs, they live almost the opposite way of that. Um, And I think the best thing that we can do is to allow God just to... Uh, Jesus to live out in our lives in a very real way. And if we intentionally have those conversations, we intentionally connect. And if we are able to set up a space that isn't a consumer church, but is a real community where these individuals, these young kids, these young teenagers, and now these young adults are able to be themselves without judgment, I think that is how we as a Christian church become a part of the social conversation, and therefore we are living for God in our current society. So I guess I guess we've really got to start to be an intentional um, part of our social conversation where we aren't throwing the Bible at people, but we're just being an example of Christ. And I guess um, you, we might say, oh, it's too difficult because adults tend to aggravate teens or teens push adults' buttons on purpose, but they don't. It's just because we're different and we need to celebrate those differences because this generation has some unique things that they can bring to our, to our world and, and to our Christian conversation. I think we are able and we are missing out on a whole generation's point of view and the whole thing, some of the things I learned about the past couple of weeks, the things I already knew, but it was great to have a refresher because we as a Christian church 
have been focusing so heavily on fundamentalism and on fundamentals that we have forgotten about the people that make up the church. We've forgotten about the young people. And each generation is less and less Christians because the Christian church is just not relevant. We just aren't able to be a part of the conversation. And I think we need to get better at asking those difficult conversations. We need to get better at asking those difficult questions and having those conversations that we feel uncomfortable with. And I guess we need to be able to ask these questions like, we had to ask a question such as, is it easier to become a Christian or stay a Christian? Have those difficult conversations. Or even we can start asking the questions where we are talking about marriage, we're talking about sex, we're talking about science, we're talking about intimacy, we're talking about all of these issues and sexuality as well. We're talking about all these issues so that we are a part of the conversation and these young kids are able to... Uh, grapple with the issues that they're facing in their day-to-day life in a safe, non-judgmental environment. And I think a lot of our churches have been really difficult and they've failed at having these conversations. It's just been something that we have avoided on purpose. And my passion at the moment is trying to bring about these conversations in my local church in a safe way. And I want to challenge you to as well, whether you're a pastor or just a leader or whether you're just someone that attends church. Have these conversations. Feel comfortable having these questions because we need a whole cultural shift across the world church in order to empower the next generation within our Western context. Um, Our Western context is moving at such a fast pace that we as a church aren't keeping up with it. We simply aren't. And our calendars are so full. You can see that calendar behind me if you're looking at the video version of this. And my calendar behind me, for those that are listening, is just full. It is simply full. It is completely full for the next 12 months. And I myself need to make sure that I intentionally take the time for our young people in our church to bring about this culture change. And we need to we need to be able to, to grapple, to stop, and to be. And often we are asking, we're asking God to just give us an answer and to solve our problems for us straight away. But that is not how it works. We have to make the choice to be his clay, to as a church be his clay and to be moulded into what is going to work for our context and our local area. And every single church around the world is going to be experiencing something different. They're going to be a different church. Uh, We need to be willing to have diversity while still being unified and without having uniformity because uniformity kills diversity and it kills unity. And we as a church aren't the clay at the moment and we need to be the clay and work out our salvation with fear and allow God to and allow the Holy Spirit to do a work in us, to grow us, to mold us, to change us. And that might mean that we go to church and we don't experience um, the the music that we like, but we worship nonetheless because we know that we are having a relevant conversation and we are able to be real to the young people. And guess what? It isn't about those that are old. You guys that you guys that are old, you are essential to our church. We need you for this reason. We need you to be able to invest in our young people. We want to feed you, but we need you to invest in our young people. 
Because if you invest in our young people, our church is going to flourish. But if you don't, our church has the possibility of dying. And that goes for me as well. I need to invest in the generations below me. I'm a millennial. So I need to be investing in, guess what? Generation Z. And if you're a baby boomer, you need to be investing in Generation X. You need to be investigate, investing in the millennials. And you need to be investing in Generation Z. All of them. So we really, as a church, need to grapple, have a conversation, and have a culture change. And it's not going to be a quick fix. It needs to be a long-term change, which is going to, going to take difficulties. And it's going to take tough conversations and it's going to be a long slow slog and it's going to be a all-encompassing change an all-encompassing culture shift that none of us are going to be comfortable with and i think that is what's going to need to happen for our next generation for the next gen we have to do this we have no option we have to grow young and we have to grow together and i'm going to be introducing this resource into my own church as well and um it isn't a program it isn't just a quick fix it's a long-term culture shift and that is what we as pastors should be committed to and it's what i as a pastor am committed to so my challenge to you is invest in the young people around you Invest in the generations below you, around you. And we as a church can make a unique change for the benefit of our future, the benefit of the next generations, the benefit of the ex- of, of the inclusive remnant that wants to include everyone that God wants to be in heaven, which is everyone. Inclusion. That's what we as a church need to focus on. Inclusion of all those around us. So, thanks for listening to this episode. Um, If you've got any feedback, uh, you can go to my Facebook page, Andrew Pratt Online Ministries, and you will see that. You might see my personal Facebook page as well. Um, But then I've also got my YouTube channel, which is where I'm going to be posting uh, some of these podcast videos and where I'm going to be continuing to post different videos there. Uh, We've also got my new website, which is uh, NextGenPod. You can search for that and it will come up. If you want to email me, go to an email address, which is nextgenpodcast at gmail.com. Link will be in the show notes. And if you're on um, Apple, uh, the Apple platform, whether you're on iOS, on podcasts, you can leave a review there on um, Apple Podcasts. Otherwise, uh, don't forget to share it. Uh, Don't forget to subscribe. And I'll catch all of you guys in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening.